This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Everything you own as a believer is not yours. It is the Lord's, including your life. Okay, And He can take it at any time He wants to. And the sooner we understand that, the greater amount of peace that we'll have. When, when things, suddenly we lose something, we don't go into great trauma about it. It says, well, you know, if we could all just adopt the, the attitude of Job, who said, you know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And just keep moving forward, keep moving on in the Lord. The character of Barnabas is a beautiful example of what all believers should aspire to be. Barnabas means son of encouragement. That's exactly what Barnabas did. Barnabas would encourage and build up all those around him. Barnabas wasn't only an encourager, but he was a great steward over the resources God blessed him with. When we realize that we're mere stewards, we begin to use those resources to further his kingdom rather than our own. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 32, with part one of our character study of Barnabas. The one guy that I connect with probably most in all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, is a guy that's not very well known, but he is known. If you read your Bible uh, much at all, particularly if you read the book of Acts, know anything about the book of Acts, there is a man by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas is a guy that I look at Barnabas and I say, you know what, I, I, I like his style. I just like his style. And, and probably more than any other character in Old Testament or New, I can connect with Barnabas. Barnabas was, was originally called, or his name was, well, in our English, it would be Joseph or Hosus or, or Joseph. Okay, That's what his original name was. But because of the type of man that he was, the apostles called him Barnabas, which by interpretation is son of what? Son of encouragement. He's a guy who you would look at and say, here comes Barnabas. He's going to bring a little peace into the situation. Here comes Barnabas. He's going to kind of hopefully lift folks up that have been beaten down a little bit. And those are some of the things I see in Barnabas that I would love to have continually in my life. One of the other things we know about Barnabas early on, we read about him that he was of the tribe of Levi. He was a Levite. And that's the, the priestly tribe. And he was from the island of Cyprus. And thinking, wow, just I wouldn't mind living on the island of Cyprus myself. So there's a lot of things about Barnabas that I like. But in this whole idea of being from the priestly tribe of, of Levi, uh, at coming from the island of Cyprus, we find early on in the book of Acts, and we're going to mainly be in the book of Acts tonight, we know that he is now living in Jerusalem. Uh, one of the other things uh, that we know about his heritage was that he was probably cousin to John Mark, the writer of the book of Mark. And we will look at a little bit more about Mark a little bit later. Some say he was his uncle. The, 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 the wording, it could actually go either way. And we read about that in Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul references him that way. Well, we first run into Barnabas actually in the city of Jerusalem. So if you want to turn to Acts chapter 4, we're going to look a little bit about um, the, the introduction to Barnabas. If you, look at, um, if you look at Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 32, we're going to see that uh, 
after the, the, the day of Pentecost, there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost and following that. And the Lord was, was moving powerfully among the people. The church was growing, and as the church grew, there were great needs that started to become very evident within the church. One of the things we know that in the Jewish um, uh, society... If someone were to turn to Christ and pull away from Judaism, suddenly they, they were cut off of a lot of things, cut off of family, cut off many times of their economy. They could lose their jobs or their shops would no longer be populated by the neighbors because they'd become one of those Christians. And so suddenly there became this great need within the body of Christ. And we read that in the latter part of Acts chapter 4. And yet there was this great love for the Lord and His people Throughout this whole community, there was a love for this communion together of the saints that was demonstrated in some very tangible ways. Look at verse 32 of chapter 4 of Acts. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. That's that common union. They're just that, that heart and attitude coming together. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection to the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, had brought the proceeds of the things that they sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who is also known, also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Interesting thing about all this, when you really kind of look a little bit deeper in the situation, Barnabas being a Levite, remember of the 12 tribes of Israel, which one of the tribes were, uh, which one of the tribes did not receive land from the Lord? The Levites. And yet Barnabas had land. What's up with that? Well, we do know also even in the Old Testament that there were Levites who had land. Not that the tribe itself was granted a large in section of land, but the Levites themselves were able to get land. Sometimes it was given to them uh, as they married and, and the wife had land and it came to them, or through other uh, transactions they were able to receive land. As a matter of fact, we read in Joshua chapter 24, 33, that Eleazar who was the son of Aaron, and Aaron the original Levite, uh, Aaron, uh, Eleazar, his son died, and they buried him in a hill that belonged to Phineas, his son, who was also a Levite. So Phineas owned this hill, uh, and it was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. So it's not an odd thing, so apparently we know that Barnabas was a landowner, and as he saw the need within the body of believers there in Jerusalem, he was willing to, to sell well, at, at least some of his property. We don't know if he sold everything, but he sold some of his property, and he donated to the need. Now we see in verse 34 what could be interpreted really as, as people owning multiple lands or houses. Listen to how it's read. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands 
and or houses sold them. Now that could go either way, okay? So I'm not going to argue that point, but what I am saying is you you could help out without giving everything, but yet we read a little bit earlier, nobody said that, man, that he owned anything. The fact is that everything you own as a believer is not yours. It is the Lord's, including your life, okay? And he can take it at any time he wants to. And the sooner we understand that, the greater amount of peace that we'll have. When, when things, suddenly we lose something, we don't go into great trauma about it, says, well, you know, if we could all just adopt the, the attitude of Job, who said, you know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And just keep moving forward, keep moving on in the Lord. Well, anyway, Barnabas uh, sold land. He gave uh, what he had there uh, to the apostles so that they could give it out to the need of the community. Now, a lot of times, we as a church, we give to the needs of the people. This is kind of a sidebar, okay, from the character study. There's a lot of times that we as a church, there, there's needs that come up, and we, we, we try to be gracious with it, we try to be wise with it, we try to be uh, uh, charitable, but at the same time not, not foolish. But the born skeptic that's in me uh, wonders a lot of times who, who are scamming. You know, who's, who's scamming to try and get something? Is there really a need? And it, it never ceases to amaze me. People who would never darken a church door when they have a need, guess where they go. I, you know, again, the skeptic in me, I, I know it's, it's a problem. I'm trying to work on it. Uh, I, I want to tell them, well, you know, why don't you go down to your buddies, you know, at the bar, wherever you hang out, and ask them to pass the collection. Because, see, you're asking me to give from, from widows and single moms and, and young couples and families that are struggling, and yet they're willing to give to the Lord. And now you're coming in and, and wanting us to give to you to assist you in that area. Well, I, I don't want to be hard about that. I, w- I want to be gracious in that. But I can't help but every once in a while there are those that, that will cheat and, and lie even to the church. But even at that, we simply trust the Lord, and we give the money unto Him. We just give it to Him. Now, it may be funneled through that individual that comes to the door, but really and truly, we're giving that money to the Lord, and we move on from there. We try to perform due diligence. We, we try to get as much information as we can, but still things happen. So let me ask you this. Do you think that in New Testament times, any of these people might have been cheating the system? Shake your head like this. They were not perfect people any more than we are. Okay, There was a lot of need. There was a lot of honest need. But yet at the same time, we know that there were some cheaters and liars. We read it in the very next verse, beginning in, in chapter 5. We, we won't go into that tonight, but and these guys cheated on the other side. They, they had stuff, and they, well, we've sold everything. We've given everything, and here, you know, we've sacrificed a lot, and here we're giving everything to the Lord. And you know, the Lord laid on Peter's heart. Wait a minute. No, you, you're not giving everything. Why, why do you even say that? Why are you lying, it, lying about that? While it was still yours, wasn't it yours to freely give or not to give? So these kinds of things happen, both now as well as then. You definitely, whenever you donate to a cause, you need to donate as to the Lord. That's just the reality of it all. You definitely need to use wisdom. You need to use discernment. But in the end run of things, give it as to the Lord. Okay, let's get back to Barnabas. 
End of sidebar. Back into the main street. Next time we see Barnabas is actually in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9. Here we find him introducing this new convert. uh, This guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus. And remember, Saul of Tarsus was, was a vicious character. He was the one who was going, across, uh, going around persecuting the Christians, uh, imprisoning them, and undoubtedly causing a great harm within the body of Christ. Well, we know the story, or hopefully you know the story, that, that uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus has this Damascus road appear- situation, and that means he was on the way to Damascus. The Lord met him there, and he was converted at that point in time. And then now he's trying to get in with the church. And we're going to see that Barnabas is the one who comes. Look at Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 26. Right now at this point in time, Saul is, is out of the picture, but it is Barnabas that was the one who comes. He intercedes literally on the behalf of uh, Saul before the apostles. He removed, he worked at removing the distrust uh, of the disciples there at Jerusalem in reference to Saul. He made certain that there was a place for Saul among the church. And as soon as Paul was there, he began, because he had already been uh, sharing the Lord while he was up in Damascus, now he comes and here in Jerusalem, he starts sharing the Lord and begins debating with these Hellenists again about the reality of the Lord. Well, it's Barnabas Barnabas, who is the one who's, who's, who's brought Saul in to the group and said, Hey, guys, I, I know that these things have happened. And one of the things you and I need to understand is some of the people that Saul was standing before that day were very possibly people who had been put in prison because of Saul. Or their family had been divided, or perhaps even a family member beaten or, or even murdered or martyred. Because of this guy, and suddenly he comes in and says, Hey guys, I'm I'm one of you. I'm one of you. And they didn't trust him. They figured it was just kind of a deceitful way to kind of get through and and get in among. And so Barnabas, one who is well known among the, the disciples and the apostles there in Jerusalem, comes and says, No, I've met with this guy. I can stand for him. I can testify for him. It was a difficult ministry for for Barnabas, and and it took this faithful persistence to continue doing it, even though he knew that there was was problems, but it was Barnabas who was the son of encouragement. He was the faithful brother in the Lord that, again, stuck with Saul during this time as, again, they introduced him into the body of believers there in Jerusalem. Next, we read of Barnabas over in chapter 11, Acts 11, verse 19. In verse 21, what, what are they saying? Is right there, man, there's, there's a great movement of God. There's, there's a lot of people that are coming to the Lord because they're sharing the Lord with them, okay? So there's a great move of God that's going on there. What a cool thing that the church caught wind of what was going on there, and, and so as they as they heard what was going on in Antioch, they said, you know, we need to go check this out. We need somebody that we can trust, somebody mature enough in the Lord, somebody that can go not only check it out, but perhaps assist and, and help them. So the one guy that they sent was the son of encouragement. They, they sent Barnabas out there, go and encourage these new believers. And so they sent him all out. The leadership of the church sent Barnabas. And it says there that he was glad and encouraged them all that with what? Purpose of heart, 
they should continue with the Lord. In other words, uh, it's kind of what I shared uh, a couple of weeks ago, man. There, there's got to be a focus. There's got to be a direction in our lives. If we wake up every morning just like a duck in a whole new world, and you know we're not thinking about things, we're not planning for things, guess what? We're going to go the wrong way. We're, we're going to misstep. We have to be planning and purposefully walking in the Lord. And so he says, man, with purpose of heart, you need to continue with the Lord. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then verse 25, what a, what a great thing. After all of this excitement that's going on, this great move of the Spirit, Barnabas, he brings back to his mind, what about Saul? What about Saul? I wonder what he's doing. He's back, he's back home in Tarsus. We need to get this guy going. We need to, we need to launch Saul. I believe that he saw in Saul the anointing of God, the direction of God in his life. And so Barnabas goes and gets Saul, brings him back to assist him in the work of ministry. And for a whole year, they stayed there and they ministered to the believers. Now, Barnabas' reputation kind of shown through this whole thing that, again, uh, in a moment we're going to read that they, they entrusted into his care and into Saul's care some funds that they had collected, that the churches around Antioch had collected, to be able to go back to Judea to help the church in Jerusalem. Uh, if you would, uh, verses 27 through 30. So there's this big famine that was coming in. And so the disciples in that area, they said, you know what, we, we can help. And maybe, maybe I can give, you know, $30. Maybe you can give 75 Maybe you can give $5. But each man, it says, as they were able, they, according to his ability, determined to send relief. I've got to tell you right now, I'm, I'm going to announce it also Sunday. But I, I am so blessed and so proud of you guys as a fellowship. Remember, we, we took the offering this, this past Sunday for Marcia Johnson, who is the, the new widow, her, her husband Ron Johnson, pastor of Calvary Flagstaff. We took the offering. You know, you guys gave uh, just shy of $2,000 on that offering. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to double that. Uh, no, it's over $2,000. $2,148. Now I, rem- I rem- now I see the number right there. So it was over $2,000. And so we're adding to that, I think we're going to end up sitting around, um, uh, how many? $4,300 to her. So just from our fellowship. And what, what a blessing that is. So again, uh, yeah, amen. And that's, that's according to everybody's ability. That's not because, you know, one person gave $2,000. No, uh, though maybe some of you could have. The fact is, is that across the board, different ones gave. And again, that's the great way. I, I love that about our church. That's another sidebar. Get back to the study or you'll never finish. When they returned from delivering this gift to the church at Jerusalem, they went to Jerusalem, brought the gift, and then they returned back to Antioch. But the Lord wasn't finished with them there. The Lord still had more for them to be involved with. Now, the first part of chapter 12 actually deals with Herod and uh, his final demise as, as he dies. Verse 25 of chapter 12 of Acts really, in my opinion, ought to be in chapter 13. So let's uh, look at chapter 12, verse 25. And I'll I'll let you start reading. We're not going to read any further than verse 12, but I may interrupt you. Uh, Start in 25 of chapter 12 and move right on into chapter 13. As they left Jerusalem, they snagged John Mark. Say, John Mark, why don't you come with us back to Antioch? 
There's some exciting stuff that's going on. And right now we look at Antioch, and Antioch is a powerhouse for the Lord. Man, the Lord is, is, is launching from Antioch a lot of great stuff. And so they get this young guy. Uh, there's, there's no doubt that John Mark was a young man at that point in time. Yeah, he was related to Barnabas. And so they bring him along with them. Now they're there in Antioch, and during a time as everybody's together, they begin praying and fasting and say, you know what? Well, we've got, we've got to get out. We, we, we need to send missionaries. We need to start sending people out with the gospel. And so, so as they were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit laid on their hearts to, to call out Barnabas and Saul to send them out to, which, uh, to a place that he had called them. And so after praying and fasting, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. Okay. Pretty cool thing, really, when you start looking at this. This guy comes up and he starts coming against him. He's a sorcerer. And of, of the two guys, remember, uh, as, as they started this thing, who was the leader of the, the team? It was, it was Barnabas. Remember, Barnabas was the one who was a little bit more mature in the Lord. Barnabas was the one who found this new convert, Saul of Tarsus. Barnabas was the one who introduced him to Jerusalem. Barnabas was the one who uh, Jerusalem sent to Antioch to check the scene out. Barnabas was the one, while he was in Antioch, says, Hey, I'm going to go get Saul and bring him to assist me. And now they're here in this situation. And now, who is it that speaks out? It's not Barnabas. But suddenly, Saul, who is also known as Paul, he's the one that speaks out. That's why I say, man, Paul has this, this, this gifting, I believe, not only as an evangelist, but as, as a prophet. Man, just speak it out, and, and man, it was a powerful thing. You see the two different personalities, very dynamic here in the midst of this. So they're ministering, and what it said up a little bit earlier, the end part of verse 6, was that they also had John as their assistant. So John was the guy who says, hey, uh, go grab my bags, uh, go get this, go get he was, he was He was the helper, okay, and not much glory in that and a whole lot of work in that, and I understand that. But whose party was it? Paul. Paul is now the one who is in charge. There's, there's been this change that's taken place. Now the leadership is really in Paul, and now the rest of the time we see it's pretty much Paul and Barnabas, not Barnabas and Saul or Barnabas and Paul. Uh, for, for nearly the rest of the time, we see that it is Paul who has, and, and, and I hate to use the, the, the phrase, um, you know, first billing or top billing, because it, it's not like that. There was just a, a leadership that was being established there that, as the Holy Spirit, I believe, worked and matured Paul in this work of ministry. And Barnabas was still there, but he just was willing to, to take a second place because he saw the gifting and the work of God in the life of Paul's life. And so now they're going along and it's time now for them to move on. They came to Perga in Pamphylia, but what happened? John Mark departed from them and went back, you know, we can give him a hard time. He said, he went back to Mama, but uh, he went back to Jerusalem. We, we, we don't know for sure all that's going on. But we do know that it wasn't a good thing because a little bit later, the conflict that comes about the fact that he did leave and when he left. So I think that we can safely kind of put in the mixture that um, John kind of got weary of the ministry. Okay, He got weary of, of the, the traveling, perhaps. He got weary of what was going on. And he said, you know what? I'm going back home. I'm, I'm, I'm just going back home. And that's where it, it goes. He abandoned the mission. 
Now, there's, there's probably not a, not a worse thing that could happen in, in a military sense than for someone, an individual, to abandon the, the mission and leaving their brothers in arms still in the mission and they go back. And, and I look at this with, with Paul's attitude of John Mark. John Mark abandoned the mission. I think to Barnabas, no, he, he, he just went home. He just went home. Two different mindsets, two different attitudes, but the same thing that took place. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue sharing with us various character studies throughout the Bible the next time you join us. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to The Open Word Facebook page. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. The Open Word podcast is always available and completely free. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to the Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. That's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study as Pastor David shares insights with us from the lives of various followers of God in the Bible. That's next time on The Open Word.